Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Turn up your volume. This is Unfuck Nation. Okay, okay, okay. Welcome to this pre-Christmas episode of Unfuck Nation. Oh my gosh, like if there's ever a time when we could all deal with a little bit of unfucking, isn't it through this time? Isn't it this like holiday season when people get 28 shades of fucked up by the pressure of who you have to be, what you have to do, how you have to handle yourself, like the whole gamut of invisible pressures that come at us in this thing. There's a whole kind of psychology to that stuff that we can get twisted out of shape with. But anyway, I want to I cover this topic this week because it's been something that's been on my mind, how to win at life without losing yourself. And this has been a subject of mine for quite some time because I see a generation of particularly young men who have got this idea of success and it's very visible on places like Instagram and and other social media channels. And basically they're just kind of getting in this game of dick swinging. And it's a little frustrating for a number of reasons, but the most important reason is, and I guess, you know, if I just hang around for 20 years, most of those young guys would become private clients of mine because they realized that they'd set themselves off on some track of perceived success that was never really going to deal with what they thought it would deal with. What I see, though, is a lot of people, not even just young men, but a lot of people, unbeknownst to themselves, are hardening themselves to combat what they think it's going to take for them to be successful without ever realizing that at some point they're going to pay the price for this, right? And I've seen it many, many, many times. It's not even unique. So if your game is, you know, your fucking hustle and your competitiveness and your drive and your grind and all those other keywords, and those things are fine, by the way. It's great to have hustles, great to have drives, great to have grind. All that stuff's awesome, right? It's very, very good. But as a human being, you must, you must stay very aware of what you're doing to yourself. The minute you get into some game for win at all costs, there will be a price to pay. And unfortunately for us, when we're in this game, we don't see the price. And even if we do see it, we minimize the potential damage. Now, I'm also speaking someone who has experienced this phenomenon in my life. But also as somebody who's coached an awful lot of people, right? An awful lot of people 
in this very similar thing. Like, how do I go through life, prepare myself for life, successfully deal with life, but somewhere in there retain a sense of self, like that I don't become so hardened that I'm impenetrable. And unfortunately, that's what I see, like I said, particularly with a lot of young men, like I can see them going on this pathway of being impenetrable. And they have this kind of youthful arrogance about it, which is fine. But, you know, my bank manager will be delighted to see you in a few years. So, you know, if you want to keep doing that, keep doing it. I'm not cheap, but I'm good. (laughs) But ultimately, what I want to make this show about is you staying aware. So I remember years and years and years ago when I was a kid, I was maybe 14 or something. And I realized that to make it in the part of the world where I'm from, I would have to get tougher. So I started with this kind of gruff exterior. You know, I'd just be more, oh, yeah, you know, which seems kind of trivial now. But what I didn't realize is that that was actually a very pivotal turn for me as a human being. And as I got older, I became this very, very driven, hardworking, singular, like the blinkers on kind of human being. And that started to have an effect on me over time. Now, for some of you who are listening to this now, and, you know, as we say, we're going into this Christmas period, you'll notice, like, when it comes to your family, you're already preparing the armor for what you're about to go into. You're already prepping yourself for your mom or your dad or your sister or your crazy uncle or your alcoholic aunt or whatever the thing is. You're already galvanizing yourself. In other words, you're already hardening yourself. And it's a mistake. It is a mistake. And I know people say, well, I'm trying to protect myself. There's nothing to protect. I mean, if it's your safety, that's one thing, right? But if it's from somebody else's behavior, then I would invite you to kind of put your cynicism down for a minute and to give people the freedom to be themselves even though you might not agree with that, even though you might not like that, even though you might abhor that, the more you resist it, the more you'll have it in your life. So I'm inviting you to take on a practice, especially this time of year, of exposing yourself. Like, And I don't mean physically exposing yourself because you can go to prison for that shit. I mean like emotionally exposing yourself, like making yourself available to life and to people Try out some compassion. Try out some understanding of where other people are at. It's not the same as where you're at. Interrupt your patterns to protect yourself from some perceived threat. Open yourself up at this time of year. Some of you might really struggle with this, and the reason why you struggle with it is because you've made yourself so hardened. And it's always a dance for you as a human being. There's no easy way to do this. The lessons that we pick up in life are mostly subconscious ones. And that's what you've done in your life. You've made subconscious turns. You've made subconscious decisions. You've come up with various theories and formulas and strategies that for you don't seem like theories and formulas and strategies. 
it seems like, oh, this is just what I have to do, or this is who I have to be in this life. You know, much later in my life, I had to deconstruct a lot of that stuff for myself because I'd become almost impossible to live with and almost impossible to love. So this is a good time of year to keep your harshness in check, to keep your resignation in check or your cynicism. Just thank you all those people, by the way, in life right now, in your own life, that you're cynical about. What do I mean by cynical? Just that that person is the way they are and they'll never change. They'll never change. I know, but what's the other thing that won't change here? That's right, how you see them. Think of that person right now. Keep them in mind. Or allow them to come up in your thoughts, whether it's your dad or your mom or a sibling or your boss. You've already made your mind up. If they were to call you up on the phone, you're already predicting how the conversation will go. That's how fucking cynical you are. Like, it's amazing the, the number of people who really, in their heart of heart, believe that they can change, but not that somebody else could. So I'm going to let you in on a little something. Other people get the opportunity to change when you do. That's where it starts. But you can't change yourself to make somebody else change. That'll never work. That's a strategy. But when you let go of that kind of fixed and hardened idea of who others are, you get an opportunity to engage with them from a different place. Maybe a place of discovery where you're asking them questions and you're authentically interested in them and the life and what it's been like. One of the great things that I did many years ago is I took on asking my mom about her past. And I was, I was interested, you know, like her aunts and her uncles, but I'd never really got into it with her. And the more that I asked her questions, the more that my heart melted. Like, I just got like, wow, like, there was a whole life before I even got here. So it's how to keep yourself, how to retain your sense of self in your hustle. And the beginnings of that is when you remain attentive to others. Life, whether you like it or not, it's not all about you. No, the world will not devote itself to making you happy. It's not the job of the world. That's your job. But you also might want to include being of service and giving of yourself so that others might be happy, that others might know the experience of being known, of being cared about. And that's a shot this year, you know, like have this year be different. It's not about you and your disappointments that you want and da, 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 da. Be there for the others in your life. We're about to go on a short break. As usual, if you want to participate in future episodes, connect at garyjohnbishop.com, 646-450-3203. If you want to leave me a voicemail, connect at garyjohnbishop.com if you want to leave me an email. Hang around. We'll be back in a bit. Thank you. 
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Okay, welcome back. I trust you had a nice little break there, which might for you might have been like 20 seconds or something. But anyway, let's crack on with the second part. This is a part of this, the show where we bring in our resident producer, like the guy who just makes the whole thing work, Stephen Miller. He's going to come in and ask us a few questions that have come in from the nation. Welcome back, Stephen. And uh, what have you got for us this week? Well, let's see. I've got my chestnuts roasting on an open fire, the partridges in the pear tree, and of course, I've got our questions from the nation ready to roll. But I know you want to talk about some of these more interesting emails we've been getting from the nation. Would you like to give our listeners the full story? Thank you for the timely reminder. That's very good, Stephen. Yeah, so you guys, I get a lot of uh, communications from the nation, and I love getting these communications. So the DMs on Instagram, the messages on Facebook, the tweets, the emails, the voicemails. It is freaking awesome. I love hearing from you guys. However, let me kind of lay it out for you. Unfortunately, I'm not able to deal with all of the inquiries that I get because they're just not really doable for me. So believe it or not, I often get people just sending me an email saying, I just need 30 minutes of your time so that I can iron out this problem in my life. I really can't provide that for you. That's not what I do. So if you had that as a thought, like oh, maybe we could just jump on a Zoom call, you and I, I'm not available for that. Also, people often ask me for autographs, which is a little bit more of a challenge, right? It really is. But if you want something autographed, right, you'll have to send me the thing that you want autographed. And if you send me an email, connect at garyjohnbishop.com with the thing that you want to get autographed, because if it's a part of your body, I can't fucking do that. But if you're like, well, I want you to sign my book or I want you to sign a card, that's fine. I'll send you an address where you can send that to, but you must include return postage. So if you want to do that, just let me know. We'll send you an address. You send me the thing with the return postage and we send it back to you. Easy as that. All right, Stephen, let's get to this week's question. Awesome. Our first question comes from Omar. It's taken a lot of work, but I've created a life that's aligned with my three conclusions, and they justify what I'm getting out of life. But I still want to make a greater contribution to society and the lives of others. That being said, I find that I have this innate ability to bullshit myself into thinking I am where I am, even though it's not where I want to be. So Gary, how can I unfuck myself from thinking that I'm making progress when, in reality, I'm not? So a question that I often ask people is, if you fulfilled on what you say you want to do, how would you know you had done it? So how would you know it was successful? And it's amazing the number of people who give you back an answer that's based on a feeling. So I'd, you know, I'd feel happy or I'd be content or I'd be satisfied. Most of those feelings, by the way, you can get from a slice of fucking pizza, okay? If you're tying what you're up to in life to some experience of yourself, it'll be fleeting. 
you might have actually accomplished the thing, but you're not feeling it, which can happen. Many people experience this. I did the thing and I felt nothing, right? That's very, very common. So with everything that I do in life, whenever I kind of set myself up with a new game in life, because to me, by the way, you guys, everything's a fucking game to me, right? Everything's a game. Make money's a game. Writing books is a game. You know, my relationships are a game. My body is a game. My friendships are a game. And I'm always playing those games, right? I don't, I don't just kind of drift along in them, right? I participate. But then the question is, well, if I'm playing the game of making a difference, for instance, how would I know if it's working or not? Well, for me, a big one is books. Another one is podcasts, right? If I'm writing books and making podcasts, I'm making a difference, right? Because that's ultimately what all those things are about. I don't always feel inspired by those things. I don't always feel like, oh yeah, I'm fucking making a difference, right? I'm not. The way all our brains work is we turn this stuff into a job. And my brain's no different from yours. Even those of you that want to become a world famous fucking drummer or singer or whatever, You'd be amazed. I've coached many of those people. I've known many of those people. And for them, 20 years of doing that just feels like every other job, right? Even though some of you might be like, well, no way. Well, no, it is that way for many people. In other words, you have to have some exterior method of determining how the game is going. So if you're saying, I want to make a difference, well, how? How are you doing it? Is it through conversations? Is it through providing some kind of coaching or support or starting a charity? Or like, how are you making that difference? And then you got to start breaking that down. Like, what did I do today that was in service of that thing? In other words, you got to stop using your internal state as some kind of measure as to how things are going because it's too fucking erratic. So there has to be a measure outside of it. You know, when I write a book, that's a good measure of my commitment to making a difference. By the way, when I study it, I read it, I research things, those are all actions that are consistent with my making a difference. When I answer emails, those are consistent with my making a difference. When I make a podcast, those are consistent with my commitment to making a difference. These are external measures that I can see the game is going. The game is being played, right? And I'm obviously always very interested in how to expand that game and how to, how to make that game more impactful and more powerful. So in other words, you got to get it out of this idea of how you feel and more connected to measurable outcomes. Like something I can measure three times I did this, six times I did this. I haven't done that for two weeks. Okay, well, I'm not engaging with making a difference. and. That's the one way where I, by the way, I, I really keep my sanity because how I feel about what I'm doing, how I feel about how I'm doing, I'm like you, it's all over the fucking place, but I can measure. I can actually look at what I'm producing, the emails that I get from others, the direct messages that I get from people who the work is making a difference for them. That's what I'm looking. I'm looking there to see how this is going. I'm measuring the game. And that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to measure your game. All right, Stephen, what else have we got? For our next question, I think you're going to have to channel your inner Sisyphus because we've got a bit of an existential question from Travis, who's wondering, is there a difference between putting up with something and enduring something? Yeah, 
So there's a massive difference between putting up with something and doing something. So enduring something generally means there's an end to it. So, you know, you might endure something, but you know, like if you're running and you're experiencing some kind of shortness of breath or elevated heart rate or discomfort, you'll endure that because you know it's going to end. But if your whole fucking life is about shortness of breath, you're tolerating something. Like there's something clearly going on that you need to take care of. So when you're enduring something, it kind of points to some that will end. But, you know, what we are mostly burdened by in this life is, of course, not what we've endured, but what we're still fucking tolerating. And it's amazing what a human being will put up with and then call okay. And that's a massive difference. You can endure something for a long time, but it does suggest an end to it. Tolerating, you'll do that shit till you die. And that's the distinction between the two. So if you're saying I'm enduring this marriage, you're not. You're in fact tolerating it. All right. So our next question comes to us from Derek. Hey, Gary, I don't drink or do drugs. In fact, I've never touched the stuff, but I think I'm hooked on perseverance and overcoming life's challenges. Where some people take kudos to heart, I have a habit of using the doubt of others, like my coworkers, as fuel to keep climbing ahead. I practically disdain hearing things like nice job, way to go, or keep it up, and I've even formed a habit of turning their positive feedback into negativity or discomfort. Do you have any idea why this is or any insights on how I can recenter the way I respond to feedback? Yeah, you're missing the big fucking thing, my friend. And this is the part where you're a fucking asshole, right? You just got to get, you're just being an asshole. If somebody says nice job, they've just fucking extended themselves to you. And I had to learn this the hard way, by the way. I was the asshole just like you, so don't get too wounded by that. But, you know, people would say to me, oh, I really want to thank you for this. Or I really want to acknowledge you for this. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah, yeah, good. No, no, it's okay. No, no, you're good. Oh, thanks. It's good. And I never for a moment did I think the kind of courage that they had to generate to offer me that, to give that to me. And what I did was I diminished it by going, yeah, yeah, I know it's okay. I know it doesn't matter. And I learned this many years ago. And what I started to take on was a practice of seeing people, like when people acknowledge me or say something nice about me, which does happen from time to time. <laughs> but I really take the time to thank them for doing that. Like, thank you for saying that. You know, I appreciate it. And that practice, by the way, opened me up to true appreciation because I'd never appreciated it before. I, was, I, had, I had a very similar character trait to you, which is a character trait for being hardworking, by the way. And you're always looking to kind of grind up against life. So you don't really get the opportunity to dwell in your successes because it's always about the next job. Your persona needs the work. And that's really what that's all about. Those little moments where I stop and I acknowledge somebody else for their acknowledgement was a fucking massive difference maker for me because it allowed me to pause and engage with someone from where they saw me. There's nothing wrong with having goals. There's nothing wrong with being a hard worker. There's nothing wrong with using certain situations as fuel. It's all fine. But like you're experiencing, 
it's designed to fix something about you, something that's kind of going on with you under the surface. That's why you're never truly satisfied. Satisfaction, my friend, is a practice. You must take the time to enjoy the success, right? As much as you don't want to, you have to start putting it in like a practice, which again, that's something I never did. I remember like when I got the news that my first book had sold over a million copies, I was kind of like, okay. And I kind of flippantly mentioned it to my wife. She was like, what the heck? Like a million? I'm like, it just didn't land for me. Like it really is a practice, my friends. You cannot keep running on your automatic wiring to live an expanded and awakened life will require you to get present to your automatic wiring and start to build pieces in that take you a little wider and deeper from just that. Otherwise, you're just a fucking response mechanism. All right, Stephen, what else we got for the week? We're going to wrap this episode up with a voicemail question from Andrew. Hi, my name is Andrew. And my question is, in your first book, uh, you mentioned that when you start fucking with your own world, you're also fucking with other people's world because they've learned to relate to you in a certain way. And my, my question is, was there a time when you first started going down the path of unfucking yourself that you received some blowback or some retaliation for getting better? All right. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. I get this. I totally get this. Okay. Great question. A very, very common problem. I'm going to ask you to picture something in your mind, right? So it's like you're standing in front of a big blank wall and you start to paint a mural and you're adding some colors in and you're doing some cool shapes and stuff. And then your mom and dad and your siblings and your friends, they're all helping out and they're drawing shit and they're painting stuff and they're doing their thing. And you've told them, this is what I'm doing, right? I'm doing, and they're like, oh yeah, I get that. That makes sense. And now I'm doing this over here. I'm doing a fucking eyeball. Oh, that's good. That'll go great with this thing that I'm doing over here. And so everybody's painting their bit of the wall and it's all coming together. It looks fucking brilliant. And then you say, I'm changing all of mine. And then they're like, what, 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 what about my fucking eyeball? It's like it fucks with a whole mural. And that's okay because it's a mural, right? But it's a pain in the ass at the beginning. But what makes it worse is that when you started saying shit like, yeah, but mine's is better now, right? <laughs> Not like just mine's is different. I'm doing this different. It's when you kind of come from this place like better. So then people are like, well, what the fuck does he think he is? So we hear this quite a lot, actually, about people who are your haters. It's something I've really... You just won't see me do, right? You won't hear me talking about haters like you won't hear me talking about toxic people. So as I said recently, when you refer to others as toxic, it's the equivalent of complaining that people are peeing in the pool while you pee in the pool. So you are engaging in behavior that's, in effect, toxic by calling another person toxic. Kind of silly. The point that I want to make here is it stands to reason that as you make changes in your life, it disrupts other people's lives. And specifically what it disrupts is how they've always related to you. And you're saying, I'm really out to change that. I'm really out to make a difference with us. I'm really out to be a different human being. And so what you've really got to do is 
you got to have patience. Human beings are resistant to change. Even the ones that say they love change, they love the kind of change that they like. But if you give them a change that they don't like, they'll resist the fuck out of it. Okay? So human beings are resistant to change. So you got to have some patience. And then you got to have a bunch of compassion. Compassion for what? Where they're at. Because as you're making this shift, often it highlights other people's lives in a negative way. Like they see things about their own lives that they don't like or that they're resisting. And so obviously, I don't relate to those people like they're haters. I relate to those as people who want things to be the way they were. That's what they want. They don't want this big, crazy, rapid change. It's not that they hate you. It's because you're doing something that's changing the whole landscape, that's changing the whole mural. So you got to have patience and you got to have compassion. Now, you did say something interesting. You said that it can be lonely. You have this experience of being alone as you're going through this change. Well, fucking duh. Yeah, of course you will. Look, you've spent your whole life building your tribe. And now you're saying, well, not that. So what'll change is your tribe. What'll change is the people who associate with you. You don't have to cut people out. You don't have to encourage people to join. You have to continue evolving. And as you continue to evolve, some people will drift and some people will come in. And you don't force that. You don't make it happen. It'll happen in a very ordinary way. There's nothing to change. But you're in this big kind of stage of transition right now, Andrew. And so you're kind of caught between two worlds, caught between the changes that you're making and out to make and the world that you've been in all this time. It's okay. It's supposed to be unsettling. You would get lonely in it because not everybody's on board with the changes. Remember, you're, you're fucking with their little piece of art, but you will attract new people. And then you'll also attract, by the way, new reactions from the same people. That'll happen over time too. You'll attract different interactions with them. And I've, I've had this happen so many times in my life with so many different people. It's actually really exciting when you see it, when you start to kind of expose yourself to, oh yeah, I'm, I'm becoming a, a new me. But I would take away this better me thing. It's just a new me. It's a different me. I tend to look at all of us as human beings, like we're all just shuffling around on the same spectrum. You're just occupying a different part of the spectrum right now. It's like, hey, look, I'm over here. Check me out. I'm over here. Look, 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 look. And then they're like, well, over there? What the fuck are you doing over there? I want you over here because that fits better with where I'm at. And I got that. And that's not what I'm going to do. But I'm over here. And I see you, and I know you're over there, and that's okay, and I love you anyway. And the more you come at that from that kind of perspective, the easier it is for everybody. And look, I had a lot of fucking resistance in my life to some of the changes that I made. I didn't make that their problem. I did not make that their problem. I just really got that that's where they're at. And so I didn't try to ram it down their throat. And I didn't, you have to see me as this. You don't have to see me as this. And I'm going to be this. But if you want to keep seeing me as that, that's okay. But I'm not going to act that way and I'm not going to do that way. All right. Thank you so much to our resident genius, 
Stephen Miller. If you want to participate in a future show, please contact us via email, connect at garyjohnbishop.com. By the way, that includes show topics like, Gary, I want you to talk about dieting or whatever, right? What about New Year's resolutions? Yeah, oh, fuck. I'm going to take that apart in the coming weeks. You guys will see. But you can also leave us a voicemail, 646-450-3203. As always, thank you for being part of the nation. Thank you for being the kind of human being who's out to elicit real and palpable change in your life. If you would like to give me a gift and this season of giving, please rate the show. Please review the show and please subscribe to the show and spread the fucking word, man. We are out to make a difference in this world. And there's always a limitation to that. So keep spreading the word, keep spreading the word, keep spreading the word. And one other thing, Nation, we are taking the holiday off to spend time with our families. So mark your calendars. Gary and I will be back with more Unfuck Nation to kick off the new year on January 5th. Awesome. Thank you, you guys. Have a great one. Have a brilliant time. Be your best fucking self. And if you can't be your best self, shut the hell up. Have a great week. I'll talk to you in the new year. And uh, I'll see you on the flip side. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrier. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today we're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us.